Hey mama, you're listening to episode number 17 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, Jay Marbury. Jay is a member of the Purpose Gathering Facebook community. If you're looking for a community of like-minded mamas who understand the struggles that you face as a mompreneur, I would love to invite you to join our free Facebook group. You can join by visiting thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. That's M-A-M-A-S. We can't wait to see you in there. I can't wait for you to hear Jay speak to us all about this anti-racism movement that's happening, that's been happening, kind of give us a really good overview of what it's like to be on the other side if you are a part of the white community like I am. And she's just going to really give us a really great idea of kind of their perspective and what the black community is looking for and kind of give us some insight into how we can help be an ally for the Black community. Jay is a wife, a mom, and an empowerment coach. Her superpower is positivity. She is obsessed with teaching women how to maintain a positive mind despite their circumstances. I know that you are going to absolutely love her. She is not going to sugarcoat anything. She's going to give it to us straight, but she's also going to show her loving, compassionate side and understanding where we're coming from, but also not letting us stay there for too long. I also wanted to mention before we dive into today's episode that the audio quality is not the same as a typical podcast episode here on the show. And that's because we actually did this via Zoom and in Facebook Live. And so we actually really weren't prepared for this as a podcast episode. But because of how amazing the conversation went, I decided to turn it into an episode. So just bear with us on the audio quality. The actual content is fantastic, and I know that you're going to love it. Hey, Mama. Welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to find peace and passion in motherhood and business so that you can have more time for the things that matter, like Netflix and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. All right. So thank you guys, everyone for bearing with us. I really don't know um, how to do this. And so for whatever reason, it is only letting you see me or it's only letting you see Jay. And so we're just going to let you see Jay's beautiful face. And I just want to say thank you so much, Jay, for being here with us and being willing to talk to us and just kind of share your heart with us. So I appreciate that. I would love for you to just start out by introducing who you are, um, what do you do, and who do you live with, and tell us about your family a little bit. Absolutely. So, hi. Thank you for, first, thank you for using your platform and your voice to just create a space and a safe zone. Like I said, when I reached out to you, this is a total safe zone, so I am open to discuss everything and share with you my perspective. 
I only represent myself and my ex shared experiences. I don't represent everyone out there that's black, um, but I do have my experiences that I don't mind sharing with everyone. So I encourage everyone that want to continue to grow and continue to learn and ask more questions, diversify your friend group, and then I'll send over a link to you um, <clears throat> at the end so you can share with other people of a few resources that I've collected along the way and then something that I share with a few other people that have reached out. But I'm Jay. Um, Jay Marbury is my full name. I'm a wife, a mom, um, to a beautiful two-year-old little girl who's fiery and full of life. Um, I'm a marketing professional with 10 years of marketing experience, project manager, and in my house is my lovely husband and my two-year-old daughter. Um, and we live in a little bit of suburb, suburb small suburb outside of um, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, though, I have to say that. Oh, so, I love it. In Chicago, I'm all things Chicago. Oh, that's so good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jay. I so appreciate your time. And I really just wanted you to hop on here with us. I want the moms to be able to ask you questions if they have any questions. But I also know that like, it's just a really hard time, I feel like, for our nation to be navigating right now. And especially, you know, you, you just said that you don't speak for all black people, you just speak for your own self. And so I want to say the same, like, what I say is my perspective and how I feel, and it might not be how every white person feels, or non-black is kind of how I've been saying it, because like we were talking on the phone, it's not really... We're not trying to address right now at this moment all racism that's happening. We are specifically speaking to the black people and the black community and how they have been discriminated against. So just wanted to put that out there as well, that even though you and I are having this conversation, it doesn't mean that we're speaking blanketly for, blanketly for all of our communities. Correct, yes. So I wanted to ask you this first question, and I just want you to kind of speak candidly to us about kind of this idea that I know that I've been facing is like, I heard about all this and I literally felt like I had no idea. Like, not that it came out of nowhere, but I just mean like, like to the extent of which it's happening, I didn't know. And, and I'm so glad to have been called out and, um, and to be enlightened and to just, and we talked about this, and I feel like I was trying to protect myself by not listening to what was happening, but what I was really doing was just that. I was only protecting myself and not protecting the black community, and I just didn't know to what extent was happening. So can you address this kind of ignorance piece that we're kind of, not all of us are facing, but a lot of us that I've spoken to are kind of facing this, and why the black community is like not understanding how we could be so ignorant. Like our minds are blown. Like how have you not, like where have you been living that you have not seen what is going on over years, decades? But I get it, it's not your world. And like you shared with me on the call, you're a total empath and I totally understand that because I am as well. Um, but you did mention like you've been completely ignorant to everything that's going on. Um, and ignorance is the cause for many of the problems, so I understand just wanting to shield yourself from the experiences, but I think you're doing a wonderful job of, like, trying to figure it out now. So, like, give yourself some grace, give yourself a pat on the back, like, okay, I am taking the steps now to try to uh, become knowledgeable and um, become aware of what's going on so that I can help with change. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think the first steps are like just recognizing it and then being honest and taking steps to improve and you're already doing that. We can't take back what you, the lack of information that you personally have chosen, you know, choosing not to um, experience or to educate yourself on. But the problems that we're seeing goes back to like Emmett Till and most recently on film would be 1991 with Rodney King. Like these things have been going on forever. And I think now it's just everyone finally is aware of it and, and just enraged with everything that's going on and want to take some action. So we're appreciative of it. Um, it doesn't mean that we understand where you have been over a lifetime, um, but we do appreciate people. I do appreciate you know, you taking the chance to use your voice and your platform to actually take action. Um, but it's not a new issue. It's ongoing. It's something that we deal with every day, all day, from my husband, especially being a black male, to myself being a black female. There isn't, there's never a moment where this isn't something that we're aware of. I shared with you on the phone, like, I challenge everyone to think of a time where they really, really were the only one, whether that was the shortest person in the room, the tallest person in the room, the tannest person in the room, the only person with blue eyes, brown eyes, whatever that is, whatever that difference is, think about that moment and how did you feel? You probably felt uncomfortable. It probably didn't feel right. You probably felt unsure, uncertain by yourself about yourself. Well, that's the moments that we live in every single day. There isn't a moment where we are not seen as like the same or we're not the majority for the most part. We're typically in almost all situations, the minority, and we just try to navigate through that um, in the best, most positive way that we can. But it's in front of us every day. And Jay, I want to bring up a point, too, that we mentioned, that we talked about on the phone, was the fact that you have chosen to be an optimist, and you like to see things as optimistic as you can. And I know from the white community, you guys are getting pushback, like, you know, why are you guys being so mean about it? Like, why are you making us feel so bad? And, like, we are, we're all kind of taking on this, like, persona of being attacked. And yeah. although that's like not the real issue, I want to, I want you to help us see past that. Like, how can we get past being so sad and feeling attacked? And how can we move forward? And how can we just get a little perspective of what it feels like? Because I don't feel like you guys are victimizing yourself and being like, poor us. Like, you know, we've had it so hard. Like, yeah. I feel like, you guys as a community have really done your part you know like you've you've gone to the schools you've educated yourself like there are a, a huge majority of you that are doing the work and you're being optimistic so so i want you to help us put that to rest that fact that you are attacking us yeah, no, so I am an optimist. Like, my husband laughs at me all the time. Like, you're so optimistic about everything. I I've coined myself an empowerment leader, right? Because I do believe that out of every circumstance, there's always something greater to be seen at the end. So whatever challenge that you go through, there's always something 
great at the other end of that. Like every storm, there's always a pretty rainbow at the end. The sun comes out eventually. And that's just how I've chosen to live my life. And that's how I pursue and perceive everything. Um, but some things you can do now, like just acknowledge the fact that you have been ignorant for all this time. Acknowledge the fact that you have been unaware all this time. Acknowledge your own moments where for you, it might not have seen as a racist moment or you trying to be racist or it being coined that way. But there are microaggressions that take place. Like, oh, I have a, I had a black friend. Like those things, those are hurtful to me specifically because I am talking about me and I feel like my community would support me. Like, but those things are microaggressions that do hurt us. And it doesn't mean that we're victim to it. It just means those are painful and those are moments that we live over and over and over. I can tell you as a black female, every time I go to work with a new hairdo, right? It's always a big deal in the office. Like, oh my gosh, you changed your hair again. Like, your hair looks so different this time. Like, what'd you do this time? I simply washed it. Like, I can do 50 things with my hair because I have curly hair. So any woman, now that the curly hair movement is amongst everyone, every woman that has curly hair can go from straight to curly within a matter of a wash. And so like those moments, those little microaggressions don't mean much and it's not coming from a place of harm for most people, but it is, it's received that it's perceived that way when that's our encounter every day. I'm just trying to go to work like and just do my job. Like, why are we spending so much time talking about my hair? If you're trying to spark a conversation, then just have that, but don't go down that path. So there are several little microaggressions that constantly come up that become um, painful and just frustrating to us. So acknowledge those things. Um, and then secondly, like ask the questions that you want to ask in that safe space and being totally vulnerable and saying, Hey, I don't know Jack about this. Like yeah. I'm a white woman. I don't know, but I do want to know because I know that as a white woman, I can really change things. I can really move this, this issue. Um, so ask the right questions in a safe space and get permission. And trust me, all we want to do is move forward. We don't want to be frustrated. We don't want to be angry. We're tired of having to go through these moments, you know? Um, and then actively like pursue relationships, but don't just like actively pursue, like I'm gonna go get me a black friend today, you know, like actively pursue genuine, genuine relationships with people that you probably have a lot of commonalities with like there are so many things you probably have in common with people just actively pursue those relationships and dig deeper so that you have more meaningful relationships with people and then after you've done that for immerse yourself in that person's life in that culture like get to know them immerse yourself so much that it's almost like are they appropriating this culture like what's going on here but really learn really become an expert in that space like you are now the sage in this space because you know about the black community well you know about the civil rights act you know why yes slavery was 400 years ago but really 56 years ago they you know we were we segregation ended like Educate yourself and immerse yourself in the culture so much so that you now can be seen as an expert in that space. 
and take action. Like these conversations are great. I've had many of these. I've had conversations with some great leaders, internet leaders. Um, I've shared resources with great internet leaders. Um, but now that we've acknowledged it, we've asked questions, we um, are building genuine relationships, we're immersing ourselves in culture, now you're taking action. Now I wanna see the results of all of this effort. Like if this happens and then it goes away and next year we're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this happened again. That's not okay. So like take the action and do the work. Nothing's going to change overnight. It's okay. We understand that. We don't expect it to change overnight. But what we do expect is change. We do expect to not have to feel threatened just by the color of our skin. That should, this should no longer be an issue. Um, so those are the things like that as a white woman you can do now, today. Those are actionable, specific things that no matter what you have going on in your life, you can do. Um, and it can actually implement change. We can actually move forward. I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends yesterday and I was like, man, it feels good. Like I was walking through my neighborhood and everyone that was outside walking was like, hey, hi, how are you? Like every white female and every white male was actively engaged. I walk my neighborhood every night with either my family or myself. We don't get that. But yesterday, it was different. And it felt good. It felt good to be seen and to be treated as a person and as an equal. Every time we walk the neighborhood, most of the time, no one says anything to us. It's so, it's like they're almost intentionally turning away to avoid us because I'm sure because I'm an optimist, they're coming from a place of, I don't know what to say with them. I don't know how to engage with them. But yesterday was different. Yesterday we were like, hey girl, how you doing? Oh, she's so cute. I see you guys all the time. Like it was just a different tone and it felt good. So keep it up and just take the action and, and do the things I said, like acknowledge it, ask the questions, get genuine relationships, immerse yourself in the culture and take the action. And we're going to make change. I, I feel, I know deep down in my heart that change is on the horizon and I feel that. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that, Jay. That's amazing. And I want you to, because I think we had a really good conversation about the rioting and the protesters and all yeah. of that, like violence. I feel like as, as a member of the white community, I see this, I'm hearing the chatter, I'm getting yeah. the messages that people are very fixated on the violence and why does this have to happen? And it's not peaceful and, you know, I think, we're all fixating on the wrong thing, but I want you to share what you shared with me about the three different types of people, because I think that was so good. Yeah. So again, this is, this is my point of view and my perspective, but there, there are three things going on, right? Like people are angry. Tra trauma has continued to impact our lives in a way where we're wondering, am I next? Is my husband next? I wonder, is my husband next? Because he runs every morning. So I wonder, is he next? I wonder if my nephews that live in Chicago who have parents who are police officers, are they next? Like, I wonder, you know, when will this impact my family next? Um, so it's one of those things that's near and dear to me. We're just, we're just angry. We're, we're tired. We're frustrated. We just, we want to see change. It's like, how many more times does this have to happen before there is change? So when you say like, why are people rioting or why are people looting? Why isn't this peaceful? 
Well, there's a couple of things. So one, there's three types of people out there that are upset because we're all upset. You have people that are peacefully protesting. They're just saying, you know what, we're tired. You see them with their sides and it's just a simple and peaceful walk. You have people out there that are looting and they're angry. They're angry because think about it. I think of it like this. Like think about your two-year-old, right? I have a two-year-old who throws lots of tantrums, right? But think about that two-year-old child that you have that throws a whole bunch of tantrums. Why are they throwing those tantrums? They're frustrated. They don't have the vocabulary to express the emotions that they have. They're angry. They're sleepy. They're tired. They're weary. Like there's all these emotions that happen for that two-year-old. They don't know how to express that. So what do they do? They throw tantrums. Essentially, those looters are throwing the tantrums. They're frustrated. They're like, what the heck? But then secondly, that looter also is probably economically in despair. Like they probably, more nine times out of 10, don't have the same um, income and resources that others have. So looting for them is an opportunity to just provide the bare minimum for their family. Like that stealing of some shoes, think about it. Their child may not have a pair of shoes. So it's not to like just loot to take away. It's an opportunity for them to also potentially be able to provide. So mix those two emotions with looting. I mean, mix those two emotions, and that's what you get is looting. And you have the rioters. Like, this is the way that they go know about getting change. So there's three different type of people out there, but the one common thing that they share is the same emotion of anger, frustration, and weariness. Like, we're just tired. And there's only so many times where you can do things peacefully for some people. Again, I understand what... What's going on does not mean I agree with it, but I understand it. I'm a peaceful protester. Of course, I'm an optimist, right? So I would be a peaceful protester. But, you know, in my house, we're peaceful protesters. But at the same time, I do understand that mom who, who lives in a food desert. There is not a grocery store in her area. And so now this protesting has started. Looters have taken. And so now she has, she's forced to go into that grocery store and get milk because the grocery store has been looted and, and, and things have been taken from her. So she has to give milk to her child. Like, just think of it from that perspective that it's not to just tear stuff up. It's frustration, anger, and weary, and so much other stuff. If you think of it through the eyes of that two-year-old who has just thrown tantrum after tantrum, they just don't have the words to express the emotions that they have going on right now. And so that's an act of it. There's three different types. And so we can't categorize all people by that one. And then another thing is like, we've tried peaceful. Like that ish didn't work. Colin Kaepernick tried to, to, to kneel and say, hey, let's do something for justice. And that was turned against us. Like it, it's always, no matter what, we're considered as angry. Like I can't get frustrated at work. Like for me to get angry as a black woman at work, I don't. It's almost impossible because the moment I raise my voice, the moment I change my body language, the moment that I do anything that could be seen as like a, 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 um, a bit of um, aggression becomes anger. But no, I'm just frustrated. It's okay. We all get frustrated. Doesn't mean I'm going to like, tear stuff up. I'm just frustrated in the moment. And so in those moments, like it almost, we can't get angry because when we do, it's taken to a whole nother level. But really we're sad just like you. We're angry and frustrated just like you. Wow. 
thank you so much, Jay. That's enlightening to hear your heart behind it. Because I also was telling my husband, it's like what you were saying about the tantruming child that, you know what, they've tried everything and you're, you're not giving them their attention. And so they're going to do whatever they can to get your attention, even if it's negative attention. And so again, yeah. I'm with you. I don't agree with with it. But I'm also not in that, I'm not in their shoes. I don't understand what it lo looks like or feels like to live their life. So I can't say that I wouldn't do that same exact thing in that moment because I don't know. Agreed. Yeah. And it's the same. Like, I understand. I don't agree with it. And I don't think it's okay. But like you, I'm not in their shoes. So I don't know. I can't judge their behavior because I don't know. You know, like I can't. I try very hard not to prejudge other people's actions unless I know enough information. And I don't have enough information to make a well-informed decision or judgment on what they're doing and why. Exactly. So I feel like it's done its job, in my opinion, to get our attention. I mean, I don't know, you know, if the media hadn't covered George Floyd's death as it has. And I don't know, you know, if, if your community hadn't spoken out the way it, it did, I don't know if our attention would have gotten, you know, as much as it is. So I, well, I do wonder, like, I, I do say, like, well, what happened this time? Like, what resonated with people this time that sparked change? So that's a question I have, because to me, the media always, for the most part, talks about this. So I question you, I have a genuine question for you, like, what happened this time to kind of make, like evoke this emotion and, and uh, demand this sense of like, let's make a change? Like, what was it? Well, for me personally, it was the fact that everybody on social, on Instagram, especially because that's kind of where I hang out, everybody was talking about George Floyd. And I was like, who's George Floyd? Like, I, I didn't watch the video. I still haven't watched the video. But I didn't know what was happening. And like I mentioned on the phone, like I've been very protective of my media intake and selfishly, you know, like I just didn't want to deal with it. And I didn't want to be overcome with all of the hate in the world. But I didn't realize until I asked my husband, I said, what what is going on with George Floyd? Like, it's been a week. I keep hearing his name. Who is this guy? And so I don't know exactly what it was, but he just told me what happened and all these other stories of, of people who are being innocently killed that are black just because of the color of their skin. And I was like, what? Like, literally, that was the moment where I was just like, how, how did I not know? Like, so then I just started researching it and I started, I started reading the details, even though I didn't want to, you know, I started getting uncomfortable and realizing that this is a serious issue and it's not political like this is like you were saying on the phone it's humanity it yeah, is this so basic human instinct like this what? has nothing to do with politics like this is basic humanity like we need to care about people the same way that we care about everything else we need to care about people right i know and i'm just sitting here thinking like this is absolutely crazy like i can't believe that this has happened and I mentioned to you that I was watching um, an allyship video. It was a seminar with Denise Hamilton. And mm -hmm. she said, like, you know what? I will check my anger when you check your tears. Like, yes. I'm angry and you're sad. And now we all have to just stop being angry and stop being sad. And now we have to do something about it. 
So like, yeah. what are you going to do? And I didn't realize, like, to be super honest, I had no idea, like, the, the, uh, what is the word, um, impact that my voice as a white woman could have. Like, I just was like, I'm just nobody. Like, who's going to listen to me? Like, but, but from your perspective and from her perspective, like a white female has power. And I just never do that. You, you have so much power, right? The thing about your household, right? When you want something done, you know how to get your husband to do it. You know how to get your kids to do it. The same thing with your parents. When you really need your parents to take action and do something, you know how to do it. A white woman's influence is powerful. And it's just not a white woman's, women's influence in general. But when I'm in a moment like this, a white woman's influence is powerful. So it's, it, to me, I feel com confident maybe that change is on the horizon. Like I've said, it's because White women are speaking up. And we know when women speak up, change happens. And you add that layer of white women on top of that, change has to happen. But we have to follow this through. So we have to take the same energy, the same sadness, the same frustration and follow through with it to the end so that we can assure that change happens. Because otherwise, this is just all pointless. Exactly. I agree. So I have a couple of questions from some of our viewers here that I want to share with you. Um, okay, so I'm not 100% sure what she's asking, but she says, do you think that hyper awareness has always been there? I don't know if she means like for you, have you been hyper aware or like as a nation? I don't know what that means 100%. Well, I'll speak from it for me. Do I think hyper-awareness has always been there? Hyper-awareness in the sense of, like, Black people? Yeah, we're always aware because it's always a question of who in my family will that be? Will that be or who in that family has that happened to? Because just like it may not have happened yet from this moment, it has happened. You know, like, my great-grandfather, that's how he passed away. So it has happened. Not in my lifetime. I didn't know, you know, I wasn't around, so I didn't know him, but it has happened. So it's always a question of like, when will it happen or remember when it did happen? So I think, yeah, we've always been um, hyper aware. And another thing that Denise Hamilton was sharing and in our conversation previously, you shared this with me too. Something that I cannot wrap my head around is like being pulled over just because of the color of your skin for no apparent. Okay. Like, explain to, to the viewers, what is that like for your husband being pulled over yeah. for no reason? Now, I can say, fortunately for me, um, fortunately for me, it hasn't happened to me as much. Um, however, I'm always cautious and I'm always fearful when a police officer does, you know, come behind me. I'm nervous, but I haven't had a negative experience in that sense yet. But my husband, the first year that we moved here in our new neighborhood he got pulled over three times just because no reason one time turning into the subdivision another time just driving through the subdivision um another time um he was i don't know if he was in the subdivision or on his way and we live in like a rural area and so it's pretty dark um you can't really see much um, so I know that the police officer kind of like tried to look in the car and every time they pulled him over, he says, you know, officer calmly, he puts everything he, he recalls, he recites to me what his parents always told him about getting pulled over. And I had the 
I think about this conversation because I had the same conversation and it wasn't until he shared with me his conversation that I recall my dad having that conversation with my brother, my mom having that conversation with me. And so I recall like all of us having the conversation of like, when you get pulled over, this is what you do. You don't argue with them. You give them exactly what they want. You put your hands on the wheel and you just leave it at that. You don't say anything. You know, but I can also recall experiences, and I digress, but experiences being in the car with my white friends, because I went to predominantly white schools my whole life, um, they, you know, get pulled over and like, come on, why are you pulling me over? You know, and it's very different. But every time that he did get pulled over, they asked him for his, you know, his credentials, of course. And then once they saw it, they're like, okay, sir, have a good day. Now it's very different because they're aware that he lives in the neighborhood. And it's very much, hey, how you doing? And he doesn't, like, drive in anything torn up like he doesn't drive in like a beat up car or anything or he doesn't drive in an extremely nice car either it's just for three stops uh for not even an entire year i think it was like the first six months it just kept happening and so we can only assume that that's what it was um but we're optimistic in hoping that that wasn't what it was but why us you know when you have so many experiences that continue to happen over and over to the same type of people you just tend to bucketize them and just say, well, this has to be why, right? Why else? That makes sense. So another question um, she had here was, do questions to my friends come off offensive? And I think she means that to her black friends. So the question is, when you say like, I have black friends, is that offensive? Is that the question? Um, I think she's just saying, do the, like my general questions about race, maybe. Do questions to my friends come off offensive? That's what she said. No, I mean, I think, again, I can only speak for me in this instance. I think, like, once you say, hey, I, you know, this is a safe space, I think once you establish the, the, um, expectations of that conversation so like once you establish like the, the rules like this is a safe space or I have some questions I'm not clear I think it's okay I think it's just oh it's okay to have those conversations they're needed you know like we have to have them you have no clue what it's like to be a black female so this is why we're having this conversation so I think once it's established that it's a safe space and you're seeking to understand to your to overcome some ignorance, to gain knowledge, I think it's fine. Um, but I do think you have to um, preface those conversations with that because if you come out of nowhere like, hey girl, how's, you know, did you watch Blackish last night? Like that can, it, it can't, that's a bad example, but I'm not good at examples. My husband tells me all the time I'm horrible, but. Um, that's not a right, the right example, but if you come out of the blue nowhere just trying to ask this question, it can be, you know, be, someone can be taken aback by that. So just say, set the stage, set the tone of, hey, um, I want to create a safe space. Is it okay if I ask you a few questions because, you know, I'm seeking to understand. Then that can change the whole conversation's tone. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so another question says, what are your thoughts about the looting that is actually hurting the black community? I've seen so many businesses losing everything because of it. Yeah, so that's a tough one um, because I have two minds, right? My one mind is I understand, right? I don't agree, but I understand. Um, the other mind is like, I'm angry is heck like why would you do that like 
Most communities, you're already a food, food desert. You already are lacking resource, resources and services because businesses don't want to go to the community because that's a whole nother topic of systemic racism that we don't have time to go into. But if you want, we can talk about that later. Businesses choose not to go into these neighborhoods. Why would you take away, you know, like your mother needs that store to go get her prescription. Your grandmother needs that service to drop off her her packages, her medication, whatever the case may be. So why um, impact your neighborhood more in a negative way? But again, I go back to one, I understand because they're frustrated, they're angry. It could be a, a way to provide a service or a resource or to solve a problem in their own family. So I understand, I don't agree, but I understand. So uh, I have two minds, like I, that's, that's where I stand with that. Well, and I think too, like we can all just agree that our world is broken. Like there are people that are broken and that are hurting and we cannot justify what they're doing. And I think we're all getting really caught up and confused on the wrong things. Like, we need to stop trying to understand what's happening moment by moment. And we really just have to figure out, okay, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But what can I do personally to, to not allow this in my house, to not allow this, you know, around me and in my family? Um, so I think that we're all just getting really hung up on the wrong thing. I um, think that's what we stated. Like, we have to think about why. Yeah. Like, think about like the ending like what is it that we want from this and why are people frustrated all the tactical all the minutiae all the little details that are taking place is a matter of emotion we can't explain emotion we can't explain why we react sometimes the way we do if you could if you could explain why your children throw tantrums you would be solving a lot of problems for, the, for, for everyone but you can't be, why because it's led off of emotion but what we do know is that something is wrong, something has been, that something has, a life has been taken, um, there's a negative impact to this that's causing these behaviors. And what we do know is we change needs to happen. And so those are the two things we can only focus on. Totally true, agree. Okay, so another question says, do you feel like the black community teaches their children to be on guard and to be careful around cops to keep anger in check because I think history is so important how is the best wait because I think history is so important how is the best way for us to teach our children that they need to know about the past but how do we help them move forward with celebrating the differences and the hope of coming together does that make so sense my personal response to that is um, one we have to educate our our children we have to educate ourselves like history a lot of times is the best teacher uh, of life and so I think you absolutely need to to teach your children about history um, if history wasn't important it wouldn't be something that we teach in schools it wouldn't be something that we bring up all the time it wouldn't be something that we use to predict behavior for the future like it wouldn't be as important as it is so I think absolutely we need to um, teach history. I know in my household, growing up as a child, our parents, I went to school, again, I mentioned earlier, I went to a predominantly white school growing up. Um, and my parents taught me what we learned in the history books at school. And then they taught me my history. Like July 4th is not 
our celebration day, ma'am, June 19th is, that's the day we actually were free. Like, that's the moment we celebrate. Like, yeah, we learned that slavery was 400 years ago. No, we really didn't become free until 1964 when we were, when segregation ended and we were able to, uh, when in, in, uh, employment discrimination was banned. Like, those are the moments. Like, so we really focus on a lot of learning that information um, as we grew up, but I can say that the other part of that is, yes, the history is important, but you have to act and do differently. You have to change your behavior because what you model and demonstrate to the world, to your family, to your children, to your peers, speaks way more than that history, right? Like we can literally erase the negative history if you change your actions and your behaviors every day. If you're conscious and you make an ep a concerted choice, decision to be better, a better human being every single day, to practice treating every single person as an equal every single day, then you can erase some of that, not erase, that's not okay, you can't erase it, but you can minimize some of that negative history because now they're, they're learning so much with the positive history. So yes, I was taught this history growing up, I was taught what the world was taught, but I was also taught what my heritage, what my history was. And it's the same in anyone's household. I have friends that are Italian and uh, Hispanic and whatever. So we're all taught some of these traditions and history, but then you continue to uh, transition and change things over time. So our behavior will predict what the next story is that our children have to tell. So I, I think it's two things. I think it's, yes, you teach your children your history, but two, you show them differently. And I think to that point, like me trying to think about how am I going to educate my children about this? I came from a family where we didn't discriminate against color, but we also, I'm learning, didn't immerse ourselves in the culture. We didn't go out of our way to diversify our lives as we were talking about. And so that's one change that I want to make in my family is, yes, I'm going to raise my kids the way I was raised, not to see color as a difference at all like we are all still people we're, we might look different but we're, we're the same right and so one thing that i want to do better is to diversify who we hang out with where we go what kind of you know tv shows they see what kind of books we read because i do want them to be around it i was not around it i was not made aware of certain things so Maybe my parents felt like they were protecting me, but yeah. also now I see that protection is, is, is a privilege that I've had being white. And now it's our turn to give that protection to our black community. Yes, that, uh, yes, that's <laughs> totally accurate. And then I, I do want to say this too, because a lot of my friends have been saying this and it's, so it's okay, but it's harmful. It can be harmful. Is when you say like I don't see color. Well, that's not accurate. You do see color because you know like the color scheme to decorate your house. Like you know those colors. Like it's okay to see color. It's the problem with seeing the color is when you change your behavior, when you change your mindset, when you change your actions because of the color. It's okay to see color. Like I'm black. I love being a black woman. I wouldn't change it for the world. I think I am one of the best. You know, um, and. I, I, but I don't want someone to say, oh, I don't see you as a black woman. No, I want you to. 
because there are things that I bring to the table as a black woman that no one else can. But I don't want you to judge me um, and mistreat me and to alter who you are because I am a black woman. It's okay. Like, I grew up and all my friends, I, my husband and I joke about this, like, I say like, hey, remember this Friends episode? And he laughs. He's like, I never watched Friends a day in my life. I'm like, what? And he's like, did you watch uh, Living Single? And I'm like, absolutely. And he was like, well, that was Friends for Black people. Like, you know, some of these jokes and these moments that we have, but it's really, like you said, immersing yourself in, you know, the culture and immersing yourself to understand because ignorance is what caused this problem, like, or avoidance, not ignorance, avoidance is what caused the problem, not immersing yourself is what kind of creates these problems. So it's totally okay to see color, like, please see color. I want you to see my color. Um, but I don't want you to change how you interact with me because of it. It's just something that I can't change. That's a good point. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, okay, so one of the other questions says, do you feel that there is a difference between how black men and women are treated in general and by the police? Personally, based off of my personal experiences, yes. I think there are several differences, um, and I don't know if we have time to go into all of them, but I think some of these conversations, I think, so what I look at this as is like the icing on top of the, the cake, again, my analogies and examples are horrible, but this is just like the icing. And if we want to get deeper, we have to dig more and more and more and have more conversations. But as a first conversation, um, I think that this is where I stand with it. Um, so yes, I do think that there is a difference um, in the way that black females and black males are treated. Um, I do think that socioeconomic status has a lot to do with it as well. Um, and the differences are treated. So I think socioeconomic status determines how a person may be approached and treated too. So that's too, it's a, it's a multi-layered question. Um, but to answer the question, yes, in short. <laughs> okay, cool. So that can be something that we revisit. In yeah, we might have to revisit that because that, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a loaded question. <laughs> no, I, I really want to dive deeper in that too, because one of the things that Denise Hamilton mentioned on the ally call was how she was mistreated, how she's been pulled over in her own neighborhood. She lives in a nicer neighborhood. She drives a Mercedes and they question her in a way that made her feel, you know, like she was stealing the car. Like, ma'am, why are you driving through this neighborhood? This is my neighborhood. I live here. You live here, you know, just giving her so much grief that she, a black woman, could live in this fancy neighborhood, right? And whose car is this that you're driving? And she's like, my car. You know, like they couldn't even wrap their head around the fact that she could be living in a nice neighborhood with a nice car. And she's been pulled over before where they've made her lay face down on the ground. And it's yeah. like, when has that ever happened to a white person who's doing nothing wrong? Like, yeah. you know, in her opinion, never. You know, and I'm not saying that's true. I, you know, I've never experienced that as a white female, but I don't think that would happen, you know? Yeah. And I wonder too, I'm asking you this question. Do you think that it, it's different depending on where you live? Like geographically where we live or like? Yeah. Like, oh. like here in Arizona, like I can't fathom that happening. Obviously I'm sure it does, you know, but like, do you think it, 
it depends on where you live, where the police are, like maybe where it's worse. I don't know if I'm saying that right. No, you're saying it fine. I totally understand. Um, yeah, absolutely, right? Like, so if you're exposed to more diversity, then you are less threatened um, or less on the uh, aware. Like, you, you're okay. Um, if you are not, then you know you are a little bit more concerned. I can say that one of the struggles that I had moving to my area has been that. Um, I've experienced racism on a level that I've never experienced before. Um, I told my husband when we when I moved here, like I felt like I stepped back into like 1918. Like I stepped back because I had experiences that I had never in a million years had experienced living in Chicago. Um, and it was just eye-opening. It is still very hard to live here. Like I told my husband all the time, like I'm ready to move. Like it's still very hard because I haven't had to pull over by a police officer story, but I have other stories. Like I can't even go to a high end shopping center without being questioned and I've done nothing wrong. It's nothing. I just walked through the door and excuse me, can we see you for a moment? Okay. Did I do something? I'm sorry. I just, I literally just walked through the door. I'm, I'm so confused. Um, but I never had that till I, I moved here. So yeah, I absolutely think that that is something. I'm sure there's data that may support what I'm saying um, or may not. Um, but I absolutely think that the more comfortable you are, because the more you've been exposed, the more you've been immersed in the culture, the more comfortable and confident you are with interacting with other races, ethnicities, all of that. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. So I think this is our last question. Um, okay. She says. I feel like I was taught about discrimination, segregation in school, and then watched the movies that talk about racism. But I think that the difference is that it was taught as a thing of the past. It was taught as something that used to happen and more as something that we just learn about, but nothing like it can still happen and nothing about how to show empathy and awareness towards it around us now. So I guess that's not a question, more of a statement, but. Yeah, I mean, I think whoever said that was right. Kudos, like that's exactly what, you're absolutely right. Like we were taught all these things as if they happened so long ago. Like one of my old bosses was like, I mean, slavery was 400 years ago. Like she would say that to me probably every day. <laughs> and um, she was a 60 year old woman. And I had to tell her like in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was signed by Lyndon B. Johnson. That was 56 years ago. That was not long ago. That ended segregation. That banned employment discrimination for sex, ethnicity, race. Like that, that happened 56 years ago. So we have to realize that it wasn't too long ago that these issues happened. Um, and so it's very much present. Now, it may not be as present as it was then to some people, some, because everyone's experience is so different. Um, but it still happens and we all have a story. We all have at least five stories for sure. Probably more, but I'm being generous. I mean, I'm being nice when I say just five. Right. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Jay. This has been so helpful. All, all the ladies are saying thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Like this is so helpful. I think just for us to hear what it is like and, and how we, we are, I don't want to say we're not different because we are different. Like, but, but our, our humanity is not different. Like the rights that we both have should not be different, but we right. do 
differently. We're not all in this together. Like everyone keeps saying, like, we're not, we don't experience life the way that you do. And, and for us to be able to have this conversation and openly put it out there that, that although we, we, we should be at the same level of how we're treated, we're not yet. And we need to, to do something about that. And, and I, I'm here for it. So I yeah. thank you so much. No problem. Well, thank you, Ashley. Like I mentioned when I, I think I DM'd you, I <laughs> slid in your DM. Like I mentioned there, like I'm a total safe space. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, I think you tagged me in this here. So I'm there on Facebook. I'm not as active and engaged in Facebook. So it might take me a very long time to respond, but Instagram, I'm very active. Um, but then also you can always email me too. It's my name at Gmail. I'm totally open to talk conversations. If you want, we can text about this, whatever. I'm fine with being your friend <laughs> to help you navigate through this because this is my way of protesting. This is my way of helping impact change. It's to use my optimistic approach. It's to be that empowerment leader to guide change. So. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye, guys. It was nice chatting with everyone. Great questions. Oh my gosh, that was absolutely amazing. I love how real and raw that Jay was with us. And I learned so much from our conversation and just hearing things from her perspective. So I hope that you enjoyed our conversation. If you did, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it over on Instagram and you can tag me at The Purpose Gathering. Jay also mentioned that she wants to continue these conversations. And so we are planning to have more of these. So if you have any questions, please head over to Instagram and send me a DM or you can jump into our Facebook group and ask the questions there and I'll make sure they get answered. As always, Mama, I'm here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com slash mamas, that's M-A-M-A-S, to join our private Facebook group. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Be sure to follow and tag me at The Purpose Gathering. If you haven't had a chance to leave a review, please head to iTunes, even if you're an Android user, and let other mompreneurs know why you love the show. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find this show. I choose one review every episode to share, and yours could be the next one. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.